declaration, isn't it? It's a declaration. Declare that right now. I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. You know, there was something in that song right before that. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. That name, that name, the name above all names that makes the darkness tremble, that makes fear tremble, that makes COVID-19 tremble. That makes unworthy rulers tremble. Because a lot of them may not know his name. Jesus. Jesus. Just say that. Jesus. Jesus. I love how y'all draw the S's out. Jesus. 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 Join with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, thank you. That one name, Jesus, the name above all names, the name that every knee shall bow. Father, we thank you. We thank you for today. Father, I thank you for sunshine. Father, I thank you. God, I I just thank you that you have us in the forefront of your thoughts. 24 7 father no matter what's going on around us father that we are on your mind father i thank you for every person that's here this morning god i just ask that uh, god i just ask that you speak to them this morning father if you have to use me so be it but god speak to them this morning father i just i just pray right now that if there's someone here under the sound of my voice that really hasn't felt your love the questions your love father i just i just pray that somehow some way that you can show them how much they're loved father i pray that you just may use someone in this church this morning to just show someone how much they're loved show them your love because we know how real you are god and we know that true love conquers all fear Father, we glorify you today. Father, I turn this service over to you this morning. Father, I turn myself over to you. Father, as I prayed earlier, Father, that you would make me small, that you would be grand. Father, that you'd be glorified in everything I say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Have a seat this morning. Have a seat. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. You know, it's... uh, my name is Mark Fellini. If, if I haven't got a chance to hug your neck, I, uh, I apologize. But uh, thank you. Thank you all for being here. We, uh, we love you all very, very much. I don't know if you guys realize that, but we do. I, I love you all very much, and I know our pastors love you very much. But I want to welcome our online family, whether you're watching on Facebook or if you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching uh, on our website, thank you. Man, we're so glad you're here. You know, the thing is, is, is we really, truly feel that our online community is a part of us. You know, it's something that, you know, I, I kind of felt bad for some churches. I was, I was so thankful that in the past that uh, someone had got all of our infrastructure set up that they could live stream because there were a lot of churches that came under this that weren't able to live stream. And we're so thankful that we were able to stay connected and be able to live stream. <laughs> I have to admit, see, I haven't been up here since, uh, I don't know, it's been a long time since I've been up here. So it was kind of funny. I remember I was thinking back about when we were doing live stream from the church. There were like, there were pastors, Pastor Greg and myself were the only ones in here basically for the most part. And it was really kind of odd because, well, I don't know if any of you ever saw it, but we had uh, pictures. See, so what's so funny, if you've looked at any of the stadiums or anything, you know, they have pictures of different people sitting in the seats. We did that clean back in March. Well, we did. We're a team. We, 
Well, I, I instigated it because I thought it was funny. But we had John Wayne and Burt Reynolds, and, and we had Yosemite Sam. They're still in the, I think they're still in the hospitality area, I think. But we had them taped up all the way, clean back in March. We were like forerunners on that. We had, we had all kinds of them, but, but it was fun. So I'm, I'm excited to be, excited to get to stand in front of you this morning. But I have a couple of jokes for you first. <laughs> See? So what do you get when you pick a pig's nose? Hamburgers. I know, I know, it's not funny. So I I actually have a, I actually have a joke writer that gives me jokes from time to time. This one is one of hers. A boy age four says to dad, dad, I've decided to get married. Dad says, wonderful. Have you got a girl in mind? Boy says, yep. Grandma. (laughs) Grandma said she loves me and I love her too. Man, she's the best cook ever. Dad says, yeah, that's nice, but we've got a problem. She happens to be my mother. How can you marry my mother? Little boy looks up and says, she married mine. <laughs> so why do fish always sing off key? Because you can't tune a fish. <laughs> I need a bum bum. Either that or I need something. To... See, now you, now you know why I don't get the opportunity to be up here enough. You know, so I got to thinking about this pandemic thing. You know, this whole COVID-19 pandemic, whether you wear a mask or don't wear a mask, whether you social distance or don't social distance, and all of this stuff that's going on for the last eight months, we've been ruled by this. For eight months. Now listen to me. I'm not downplaying COVID-19. I, I know it's a real deal. I know somebody that has it. I need, to, I need to continue to pray for him that he's okay. But you know, the thing is, is we've been governed by fear for the last eight months. You know, the thing is, is there's... There's like mask shaming going on. I got yelled at. I got chastised by a 20-something in Sprouts one day about not taking masks seriously. <laughs> so this guy tells me. All right, this is, this is. So he's, he's probably maybe 21 or 22. And I wasn't wearing a mask. And he says, you know what? He says, I'm tired of people not taking these masks seriously. I'm like, okay. So he sits there and rails on me, not you know, calling me out, but basically calling me out that I'm not wearing a mask. And he says, you know what? He says, I've seen a lot in my life. <laughs> I'm like, you're 22. What have you seen? You're just out of diapers. Anyway, so he just railed me about masks. But it's all, God showed me something that all revolves around fear. That they're keeping this going. What does the media do? The media, listen to the media. It's sensationalized fear. Oh my gosh, we're rising numbers where this is going and that's wrong and that's going on. What about a happy story just once? Let's hear something good that somebody's doing. But I got a question for you. I want you to think about something for just a second. Just sit back in your chair and think about this for a second. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What is one thing? Maybe, for instance, what's your biggest fear? So, you know, uh, the other day I, uh, I asked some of my friends, I said, what is your biggest fear? And as we sat around the table, there, these were some of the things that came up. 
The word abandonment. Someone said that they have a fear of hindering their children and making them good adults. Someone said fear of the future. Someone said fear of the unknown. But what I realized is everyone has a fear. Have you guys thought about the fear in your head? Because I want you to hold on to that. But everyone has fears. Everyone has a fear or numerous fears. (laughs) So what am I afraid of? I'll throw me under the bus. I'm afraid of mean old cows, but... (laughs) I'll tell you a story about that later. But you know, I'm 58 years old. And I'm not afraid of the dark, but I like light a lot better. I don't like to sleep in the light, but I like to, I like sleep in the dark. But when I was a kid, uh, some of you may have heard this story. I told it a long time ago. But when I was a kid, uh, our house sat here. There was a big old elm tree that was like 12 feet around. Big old elm tree. And a little bit past that was... Uh, a garage, a shop, basically. And so, (laughs) as a kid, short, fat little kid that I was, I would stand, if if it were dark, I'd stand at the door of that garage. And there were no lights. I mean, my folks, I guess, didn't believe in outdoor lighting. (laughs) So, and we lived out in the country. So, you know what, those of you who live out in the country know what it's like. It's not like living in town. You know, that all the street lights that, you know, you can walk wherever you want. It's almost like daylight. So I'd stand at the door of that shop and I'd flip the switch and I'd run. I'd run like a banshee to the house. And just fasten my fat little legs and carry me. I'd run to the house. So one time I went to, I shut the light off. I go to run for the house. And in behind that tree was my brother. A, he's six years older than I, than I was, so I was probably maybe eight or ten, and he was maybe 14 or 16. Pitch black. My brother Pat reaches around from that tree, and he grabs me around the neck. And he's got me facing away from him, and he's pulling me back like this. And I thought the devil had me. Because seriously, I couldn't see him. I was flailing around. I almost passed out. Well, it was my brother. So that really didn't help my fear of, of, of the dark. But anyway, so that's, that's my story of, uh, of, of my mean brother. I could tell you lots of stories about things he did, but I won't. But you know the word fear. I started to study the word fear. The word fear appears 444 times in our Bible. 444 times. Merriam-Webster, I looked up the definition. And I know you all know what the word fear is. You know what fear is. But fear is an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Does anyone drink out of this? I'm kidding. I picked one up the other day that was half full. <laughs> but you know, fear is a funny thing. Northwestern Medicine did a study, and they said that fear is experienced in your mind, but it triggers a strong physical reaction in your body. As soon as you recognize fear, your amygdala, my nurses in here are going, boy, you mess up. What? Amygdala, amygdala, your amygdala, it's a small organ in the middle of your brain goes to work. I don't have one, I guess. (laughs) All right, we're serious, it's church. So a small organ in the middle of your brain goes to work. It alerts your nervous system, which sets your body's fear response into motion Stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline are released. Your blood pressure and heart rate increase. You start breathing faster. Even your blood flow changes. Blood actually flows away from your heart and into your limbs, making it easier for you to start throwing punches. 
or run for your life. Your body is preparing for fight or flight. As some parts of your brain are revving up, others are shutting down. When the amygdala senses fear, the cerebral cortex, the area of the brain that harnesses reasoning and judgment, listen to this. When the, darn it, I'm not going to say that again. The area of your brain that harnesses reasoning and judgment becomes impaired. So now it's difficult to make good decisions or think clearly. As a result, you might scream and throw your hands up when approached by an actor in a haunted house. I was going to bring you some pictures. I've, has anybody seen those pictures of, of the candid pictures of people in a, uh, in a haunted house? I so badly wanted to do them. But as a result, you might scream or throw up your hands when approached by an actor in a haunted house, unable to rationalize that the threat, unable to rationalize that the threat is not real. It's a reaction. So if you think about that for just a second, what does fear cause us to do? Fear causes us to react. Sometimes, not in a way that we necessarily want. My wife, you scare my wife, you will get punched. I can tell you. <laughs> yes, my, my wife is not a fear monger. I, 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 uh, I used to like watching scary movies and stuff like that. No, not in my house. She says, nope, there's a lot better things to watch than that. But the thing is, though, is think about how it affects our decisions. When you get scared, bah! You know that? I mean, the only thing you have in mind is getting the whale out of there, right? If we don't think, we lose our mind. Think for a second. What's going on in the world right now? People have lost their mind. Fear has made them lose their mind. See, I think fear, I believe I know what God showed me, is that fear is a ploy of the enemy. Why? Because if he can get us to react in fear, what happens? What happens when we react in fear? We react, we react in it irrationally. We can't think. If we're in fear, we can't think. So how are we going to react? See, there's a difference between fear and respect. You know, the Bible calls us to have fear of the Lord. I stumbled on that a little bit all week. This is kind of a rabbit trail, but I stumbled on that. I really did. I actually called, kind of trying to get some counsel about it. It says, fear, fear of the Lord your God. I'm like, fear, fear, fear. But you know what? Fear is also respect. You can also have a healthy respect. I'll tell you a story. A few years ago, we were at the sale barn at Centennial, and we saw that there were some, Amy and I have Hereford cows, and we like our Herefords. And I know, I know, don't get on me about black cows. Hereford cows, Hereford lives matter. So... <laughs> So, if you skin them, they all look the same. I'm having some fun with you guys this morning. This is awesome. So, so they had some Hereford cows, bred Hereford cows at the sale, and I, uh, I kind of sometimes it, it a cow sale sometimes. I kind of lose my marbles. Have you ever been at an auction and you kind of lose your marbles? Sometimes I lose my marbles. My wife is over here nodding her head. She's smiling. So there was a group of three Hereford, bred Hereford cows that came through. And we were, Amy wanted to go down and grab something to eat. We were waiting for them to come through. <laughs> so they've got a, in the restaurant, they've got a little TV there at Centennial. You can see what's going on in the sale ring. So we were in there. Well, all of a sudden, here comes these three bred Hereford cows. Oh, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go see how these cows are doing. So Amy's like, come on, come on. I'm like, nope, I got to see how they're doing. So I went down and I started bidding on them. I don't know what I was looking at. 
But I got them bought. And my wife is so patient and loving with me. She really is. She goes, uh, did you see the size of that one cow? I'm like, no, they were red and white, weren't they? She goes, that was a big stinking cow. And she was. She's probably the biggest Hereford I've ever seen. She had horns that came down like this. She was awesome. So anyway, so this was probably in about this time of year, about November, I think. And we took them home. And so when it starts, when it comes time for calving, we run through the cows a couple of times a night or somebody's getting close. We'll walk through them. Well, this one, number 22, she was uh, uh, she a gentle cow. We'd walk through them all the time. But as we got closer to Kevin, I'd notice, and if any of you guys that, are, that have cows or been around cows, that at one point in time, as she got closer to Kevin, as I'd walk through them, she'd go. And she'd kind of give you a stink eye. But I'm like, okay. And Amy and I talked about it. It's kind of like, hey, keep an eye on 22. I don't quite know about 22. So big, long story short, she calves. And so what we do is as soon as they calve, we uh, disinfect their navel and uh, we put an ear tag in them. Well, um, and sometimes cows get a little snorty when you grab their calf. You know, they'll kind of get a little snorty at you. And most of them are bluffing most of the time, Orion. <laughs> most of them are bluffing. Sometimes they're not. So we have a Kawasaki mule. Um, and so sometimes if these cows get a little snorty, we'll go ahead and park the mule and, you know, between them and the calf. And we'll run and we'll grab the calf and tag the calf. So we do that with this old cow, and she's chasing us. She's chasing us around that mule, all the way around the mule. Just, I mean, just flat would not let us get to that calf. So finally, we kind of, we're at the end of the horse runs, and we kind of get them into horse runs. Now, our horse runs are made of uh, two and three-eighths oil-filled pipe. So they're pretty solid. So we get this cow and calf ran up into one of our runs, and I reach under one of the, the other run, and I pull this calf over to me. This old gal tried to kill us. Literally tried to kill She's hitting that two and three-eighths pipe. She was not bluffing. So, but so with her, the rest of the time we had her, until she came up open, um, I had a healthy respect of that cow. I was really, really careful about when I went around her. We had one this spring that I was doing a really cool cartwheel over the top of the fence as this heifer was trying to get me. So this is another story. So while I was gone, I, was, I spoke at a men's conference in Lusk. Amy had cabbed a few heifers. And when I came home, there was one that it, it had gotten really cold and she had to have it in the warming box and stuff. And, and this little heifer got pretty snorty. So I'm going to make this story really short because it's not has to do with anything, but it's a funny story. <laughs> so all we're trying to do is we've got her up close at the house. And we're trying to get her out back out with the rest of the cows. So we've got her down the alley and kind of like, go on, go on. And she'd shake her head a little bit. And I'm like, ah, oh, she's not going to do anything. Well, pretty soon she put her head down. Me, I'm like a ninja. I'm built like a ninja. <laughs> So what I did is she starts coming. I'm like, oh, man, no big deal. I stuck my foot up on one of those rails. I didn't throw myself up and over. I just go, phew, it's like a ninja, right? <laughs> Ask Amy. Amy's a witness to this because she saw the whole thing. So I was half ninja. My feet went straight up in the air and didn't come over the rest of the way. I went down and literally asked my wife. I landed right flat on the top of my head. So, you know, I really don't think it's that funny, but I did have a big old bark on the top of my head and my pride was all bruised and damaged. Man, I was, I was hurting. So anyway, so I got to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about fear. I like, like I've not told you enough stories, right? I haven't even got to my message yet. <laughs> Hope you guys aren't in a hurry. No, I'm kidding. Uh, 
So I want to tell you a story in Matthew 14, uh, verse 25 through 31. I'm not going to have you turn there. If, if you'd like to, you can. But there may be some of you sitting here that go, man, I've heard that story a hundred times. Have you ever heard of Peter walking on water? You know what? There may be some of you sitting here this morning that haven't heard that story. So I want to tell you the story. So it's about three o'clock in the morning. So Jesus had fed 5,000 with, uh, with the bread and the fish. Uh, John the Baptist was killed right around in there. And, uh, you know, Jesus was kind of tired and he told his disciples, he said, get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. Well, about three o'clock in the morning, a storm came up and it was tossing the boat all around. The disciples were all scared. They thought they were going to capsize. And all of a sudden they look up. Here comes Jesus walking across the water and it scared them. They were afraid. The Bible says that they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. Jesus said, Hey, don't be afraid. It's just me. I'm here. So Peter looks at him and he says, Lord, if that's really you, call me and I can come to you. And Jesus says, come on. So Peter gets out of the boat. And some of you may remember, I, I did a message a few years ago about Peter's plan B. But when I took my, when I had my swimming trunks on. So Peter gets out of the boat. <laughs> he starts walking on the water and he's walking to Jesus But in verse 30, he says something. The New Living Translation says something that really fascinated me. So as Peter's walking on the water, verse 30 says, But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. He said to Jesus, Save me, Lord. And Jesus reached out his hands and pulled him up. He says, So why did you doubt me? See, the thing that I looked at, the thing that really stood out to me is as long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he was able to do something that defied natural laws. He was walking in the supernatural. Hear this. He was walking in the supernatural just like Jesus was. But there's something that I want you to hear. See, Peter literally became what he was looking at. As he was looking at what Jesus was doing, Jesus enabled him to do the same. But when Peter began to look at the natural things that were going on around him, he saw the waves rising higher and higher. He saw the winds blowing. As he took his focus off of Jesus, his physical senses began to take over and all of a sudden he was no longer focused on Jesus. As a result, he began to sink, causing Jesus to catch him and save him from drowning. But see, whatever we're facing, whatever we're facing in the world right now, if you focus on the circumstances, the circumstances are going to overwhelm you. They'll overpower you. They'll swallow you up. See, Jesus invites you to come to him, invites us to come to him in the midst of pandemics, in the midst of riots, in the midst of elections. See, he asks us to step out in faith, but he gives us success when we keep our eyes focused on him. Like Peter, you'll sink. But there was something that really stood out to me, really, really stood out to me, is that as Peter was on the water and called out to Jesus, Jesus never moved. When Peter began to sink, Jesus had never moved from where he was standing. Peter did. Think about that for just a second. Jesus never moved. But as soon as Peter focused his attention back on Jesus, what happened? What happened? Right back up on top of the water. See, he can lift you above COVID. He can lift you above riots. He can lift you above masks. So I got to thinking about the election. Now, 
I will apologize in advance for getting on you, but if you haven't voted, go vote. To not vote as a Christian is giving it to whoever you don't want to have it. It's giving our Christian rights over to someone else. Vote. You know, I've talked to people that have said, well, I'm not voting because I don't like either one of them. You know what? You don't have to vote for the person. Vote for the policies. Vote for the policies. I don't vote for him because he has orange hair. (laughs) How does that affect his policies? I have no hair. (laughs) You know what? I'm not telling you who to vote for. Vote for whoever you want to vote for. But as a Christian, you must vote. If you haven't voted, I implore you. I implore you to I implore you to vote. Please vote. But you know the thing is, is is a lot of a lot of what the rhetoric is that they're using is what? Based on what? Fear. Fear. They're telling you about how bad this person is. I want one candidate to get up and say, you know what, I'm not gonna say nothing bad about that guy. I'm gonna stand up here, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. What I can do for you. That's it. I would love for a candidate to do that one time. I'm Mark Fellini and I approve this message. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I want you to think back. What was the fear that you had in your mind when I asked you earlier? I don't want you to shout it out, but think about it for a minute. So I think about some of the fears that we have and how irrational they are sometimes. So I'm going to put a few of you on the out. How many of you are afraid of mice? I am. I'm not afraid of them. I don't like them beady little suckers. How many of you are afraid of snakes? There we go. How many of you are, how many of you are afraid of spiders? So. Think about your fears in that aspect. So I'll ask you this. Why are you afraid of mice? Mice aren't going to chase you down and eat you. They're little bitty dudes. They're not, they, they're not, they're not, they, they're not going to kill you. Why are we afraid of them? Spiders. There's only two deadly spiders in the state of Colorado. Only one in Northern Colorado. I got a few of them at my house. But you know what? Still, they're not going to kill you. Why are we afraid of them? You know what it takes? <laughs> snakes. Snakes. Oh, I hate snakes. I don't, I don't hate snakes. I kind of like snakes. But you know what? Snakes. Snakes, aren't ch- snakes don't chase you down, do they? They don't come running at you. They're not going to swallow you. Now, if I lived in the Amazon, I might be afraid of snakes. <laughs> If that's like it can swallow me, good luck. <laughs> but think about it. Think about it. What are we afraid of? Really, when you think about why am I afraid of X, what is it? What is it that you're so afraid of? I know I've talked to people that said I'm afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm ready. I don't want to go through the pain of it, but I'm ready. People say, I'm afraid, of, I'm afraid of drowning or those things. But you may be sitting there this morning saying, how do we conquer fear? We've already established that everyone has fear. How do we conquer fear? How do we conquer fear? Trust. Trust. You have to be able to trust what this says. To trust every single jot and tittle in it. Every single word, every period, every comma, every parenthesis, everything. We have to be able to trust. See, in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. See, the thing is, is if we can spend time in his word, if we can spend time in prayer, if we can get alone with God, Just for a few minutes, we can know what he says about us. You know, God encourages us through his word. So I I started to look at ways to combat fear. You know, 
the words, and I actually search these words, and, and, and if you write them down, search them, please. Um, test me. I mean, make sure that I'm not telling you bunk. The words good courage together occurs 34 times in the Bible. It calls us to be of good courage. The two words together, not separate, the two words together, fear not, occurs 11 times. Do not fear, listen to this, 51 times in your Bible, God tells us, do not fear. Do not be afraid occurs 50 times. Confidence occurs 36 times. And the phrase trust in the Lord occurs 19 times. So just right there, I've given you over, I counted them out, I've given you over 200 scriptures that should allow us to have confidence that God is for us and not against us, right? Over 200. So I'm going to share a few of them with you. If you would, if you're note takers, write these down because I, I would love for you to go back and read some of these this week or in the weeks to come. Um, write these down, please. Um, I'm going to go through them fairly quickly for the sake of time. Joshua 1 9 says, I have, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10, in the message translation, says, don't panic or fear not. I am with you. There's no need to fear, for I am your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. I'll keep a firm grip on you. Isaiah 35.4 said, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. Proverbs 3.26, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Hebrews 3.14, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. Romans 8.14 says, For all of those who are, led, who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I'm going to give you one last one. This is in the message. It's Romans 8.15-17. This resurrection life that you've received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with childlike What's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know that we're going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. I want to share a couple of stories. See, I told you earlier. See, I really feel that all of this nonsense that's going on. I mean, seriously, if you think of all of the things that are on the news right now, what God showed me, and I got to share it with the men a few weeks ago. See, it's a ploy of the enemy to keep us distracted. Because, you know what? If we're distracted on all of the nonsense about COVID and the election and all the things they've already mentioned, we're not looking for the good things that God's doing. See, if you and I, Jack, if you and I are talking, complaining about COVID, oh, COVID this, oh, COVID that, what about masks? You wear a mask, I don't wear a mask. And we're not seeing what God's doing over here, we lose. We lose. And it breaks my heart. 
But I want to tell you a couple of stories. In the midst of all of this, God's still doing miracles. Do you know that? God's still on the throne. God and Jesus aren't sitting up there going, well, what do you think about this COVID thing? I'm not, we're not doing any miracles until this whole COVID thing's over. You know, I no, 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 we can't be, no, no, that's not the truth. God is still in the miracle business. I want to show you a couple of stories. One, a, a precious man in this church, a dear friend of mine, a very dear friend of mine. Um, one afternoon, oh shoot, I don't have my phone. Um, one, one evening he sent me a text. He said, I'm in the emergency room. My heartbeat is over 140. They can't get it to come down. They're going to keep me overnight for observation. So, okay, we'll be praying. So I heard from his wife the next day that 11 o'clock that night he had a heart attack. So because of all of the nonsense going on, I couldn't quite get up to see him yet. So Friday I went up to see him. And before I got there, they'd received a bad report. Um, The doctor said, there's a blood clot in your heart, in the left ventricle of your heart. You are in, your heart's not beating enough to make your kidneys operate, so you're in renal failure. So renal failure, some of it that may not know, renal failure, your kidneys are shutting down. You're, you're, uh, there's not enough blood pumping to your kidneys, so your kidneys shut down. His kidneys were shutting down. Well, they, he had a pick line in his neck. I remember when I saw him on Friday. He had a pick line in his neck. He said, well, he said they, they want to go in and remove the blood clot through the pick line, but they can't because I'm on blood thinners. I couldn't do anything. And they said, well, we may transfer you to Denver um, and we're going to put you on a transplant list. So I prayed. I said, well, let's, let's pray. I mean, the, 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 it was not looking good. So we prayed, no, please listen. When I tell you this, it's not my prayers. It's not me that did anything. It's our Father in heaven who did. So please know when I tell you these stories, I'm not patting me on the back saying how great I am because I'm not. So we prayed. And I really felt that the testimony is, is what would come out of this. And we prayed for that clock to be gone. And that was it. So I don't know. It was maybe... Two or three days later, I actually had him send it to me last night and I left my phone in the back, but he sent me a text and he said, Hey, he said, I don't know where that blood clot went, but God did something with it. But God did something. God did something with it. Do you want to know something? I'm not going to look because I'll. So that man, he's sitting here this morning. He's not in kidney failure. He is not on a transplant list. The doctor said, I believe he told me, the doctor said, I'll see you in a year. What? What? We went from good night to we'll see you in a year. Do you know what? So... But but do you know what? If we're so focused on all of the nonsense that's going on in the world, we're going to miss that. We're going to miss it. We're going to miss that opportunity. My sister-in-law, another prime example. My sister-in-law, big long story, had a a staph infection uh, that settled on the inside of her bone and came out of her bone. She had out in her bone, she had two and a quarters long by five eighths of an inch wide hole in her bone. They were telling her how many different surgeries she was going to have to have. She had emergency surgery on Thursday. She's going to have another one on Monday. She's going to have another one on Wednesday and that they don't know for sure when they're going to get to stop. She's supposed to be on all these, uh, uh, IV antibiotics and all of this nonsense. Right? So we went there, Amy and I went there on Friday and, uh, and then we went back on Sunday. We got a chance to pray with her. She was scheduled for surgery on Monday. So Amy went down on Monday morning to go through, to be there when she was going through surgery. So like I said, I mean, she was going down a long road. So we prayed with her. 
Again, not my prayers. So, uh, Monday, I, I, I just really felt this in my heart. But Amy called me after the surgery was over on Monday. She said, well, Jen's out, of, Jen's out of surgery. I said, great. I said, they stitched her back up. They're sending her home. She said, what? I said, they're stitched. They stitched her up because they were going to leave it open so they could go back in and clean the bone out. She said, yeah, pretty much. So through all of that, she had to go for one IV before she left. They dismissed her. She never, she never had to go through any more surgeries. And you know what? She's healing. And you know what? Back to the same thing. If we're so focused on all of the nonsense that the enemy wants us to be focused on, we never get to see this stuff. Don't focus on that stuff. Focus on the good things that God's doing. See, I just, I just love, see, what I've got written down, Kirsty and I were talking about this, that fear is a reaction. Confidence in God is a response. At those hard times, if, we, if, if we're in Christ, we can respond, not react. We can go, yes, Father. Yes, Father. See, I got to thinking that graveyards are full of good ideas. But I want to leave you with three things, okay? Number one, take your thoughts captive. When those thoughts of fear come on you, take them captive. Second Corinthians 10, five says we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defense of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow to the obedient in the obedience to the anointed one. Take captive. Take your thoughts captive. I take my thoughts captive all the time. Sometimes I'm ashamed how many times I have to take my thoughts captive. <laughs> Sometimes, if you knew how many times I had to take them captive. But I do. Sometimes I'll have a weird thought and I'll say, you don't want to take that thought captive in the name of Jesus. But I submit my thoughts to Jesus. The second thing, speak God's word over your fears. 1 John 4, 18, just the first part of this, says love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. And lastly, in Psalms 56, David had been captured by the Philistines. He was overcome by fear. But instead, he sets his vision on his Lord and Savior in its midst. He praises God and his word to him, fear not. He puts his trust in the Lord. See, Psalm 56, 3 and 4 in the Passion Translation says, But in the day that I am afraid, I lay all my fears before you and trust in you with all my heart. What could harm, what harm could a man bring to me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. The roaring praises of God fill my heart. So I'll ask you this this morning. What fears are trying to overtake you? What fears are trying to get a hold of you right now? What are you facing? But I want to do something really quick. I'd like you to bow your heads with me. And I want us to pray just like David did. I'm going to lead you in this. Are you ready? But in the day that I am afraid of, and I want you to name your fear, that I am afraid of, I lay all my fears before you and trust in you with all my heart. Fear does not and trusting you with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what? Remember that prayer. But in the day that I'm afraid of COVID-19, I lay all my fears before you and trust in you with all my heart. A lady by the name of Val or Vi Keeland said, Fear does not stop death. <laughs> 
it stops life. So I encourage you to do this. I encourage you to live. Live. Not live in fear. I encourage you to live. Go vote. Walk out of here with your head held high. Walk in life. Walk in love. Let's pray really quick. Heavenly Father, thank you. God, I thank you. I praise you for today. Father, I, I, I just pray over this congregation right now, Father. Father, that if any of them do have fear, Father, that right now in the name of Jesus, Father, that we call fear dead in our lives right now. Father, that any time the enemy tries to distract us with fear, Father, that your word will come to the forefront of our mind. That we will speak your word over our fears. And if there's anyone under the sound of my voice this morning that's never made the decision to follow Jesus, this morning's your chance. It's simple. I believe that he's sitting across from you right now and he's looking you in the eyes, looking into his eyes. He said, would you follow me? It's a simple yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. You know, the thing is, don't overthink that. Don't overthink it. Say yes. Don't worry about what's going to happen from here. Let him worry about it. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Father, I pray over my pastor. Father, I pray for healing over him right now in the name of Jesus. Father, that that he would lead his flock. Father, we glorify you. I praise you. Father, I, I lift up our president to you right now, God. Father, that as the arrows come against him, Father, you would just strengthen him, Lord. Father, I know he's not a perfect man. There's not a one of us walking on the earth that is. God, I just pray that you would strengthen him, Father. You would guide him, Father. You would send those mighty Christian leaders around him that would shore him up physically, Father, but that you would shore him up spiritually. Father, that he would turn his face to you. He would continue to make those hard decisions, Father. Father, we glorify you. We thank you. We praise you. Father, I just pray ahead your protection around everyone that's here, everyone that's listening, watching. Thank you, Father. We love you. We love you. Thanks for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen.